Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Steve Earle and is a continuation of the series, Pillars as a Amen. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, I know the thoughts or the plan that I have for you, every one of us. It's a plan of peace and not evil. It's a plan to prosper us and bring us to an expected end. Well, how do we get to that expected end? There are three things that are necessary to get to that expected end. Number one, we have to have a pure heart. And what I mean by pure heart in this context of what I'm saying is a heart that wants only what God wants for us. There was a dear friend of mine called me and said, Pastor, I need you to be praying. My wife is having to make a decision about a job. Uh, She just got this job, and now they've offered her another job. And so I want you to pray about it. And so I I shared with him, after praying about it, the Lord shared with me these three things, and I shared it with, with them so that they could be praying about it. And I told her, I said, if you want this job for more money, it would be better for you, beneficial for you, that's not a pure heart. If you look at the situation, the circumstance, say, well, if this was right, I'll take the job. If this was right, I'll take it. If this ain't right, I'm not going to take it. That's not a pure heart. If God has opened the door for you to do something, a pure heart says, I want it because God wants me to have it. Uh, and Because what I've learned is there, I call them the three P's. A promise, problem, and provision. God makes you a promise. You will have a problem. Because the enemy is not going to just let you do what God wants you to do without some kind of interruptions. So God makes provisions. Promise, problem, provision. A pure heart says, I just want to do what God wants me to do, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of the outcome, I just want to be in the will of God. A number two is a trusting heart. You got to trust God that he is sovereign. And that he's begun a great work in you. He's faithful to to perform it to the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a sovereign God. He has the power to do whatever's necessary to get the job done. We we just instruments. We just vessels by which he works through. But but God, if we, we trust him that he started a great work in us, he's faithful to complete it to the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a trusting heart. And then a yielded life. A yielded life is saying, I'm going to give in to what God says. It's kind of like getting to a a four-way stop and you venture off to the right. You don't have the right of way. He says, yield. So what you want to do is yield and let God go before you and you fall in behind him. Let let the eternal God go before. He'll make the path straight for you. Amen? Amen. Now I'm going to get into this message. If y'all turn your Bibles to Nehemiah. Your pastor's been sharing his heart with me. He and I have been praying together about his vision for the church and what he would like to see happen. And while he was sharing that with me, God gave me this message, and I want to share it with you today. I, I, if you want to take notes, that's fine. If I go too fast, say slow down, I, I got no problem with that. I, I, I feel the very presence of God. So where the presence of God is, there's liberty. A- amen. 
freedom to do what God wants you to do. And I thank God for that because not everywhere you go, you feel that liberty to share the word of God without restraints. Thank God for that. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. I'll read several verses. The word of Nehemiah, the son of Hekiah, and it came to pass in the month of Chileve, in the 20th year as I was in Shushim, the palace. And Hananiah, one of the brethren, came in, and certain men of Judah, and I asked them, watch that word, I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant who are left of the captivity there in the providence, uh, the walls of Jerusalem are also are broken down, and the gates are burned, I'm sorry. They are in affliction, their afflictions and reproach. The walls of Jerusalem are also broken down and the gates are burned. I want to give you four things. I want to give you four points that will help you fulfill the will of God. The, the four points that will help you feel what, fulfill what God has determined for your life. God has a plan, again, for all of our lives. And he has a purpose for all of our lives. So I want to give you four things in order to help you get there and to fulfill the purpose or the will that God has in his foreknowledge ordained for you. Number one, you got to care. Got to care. Got to care. The word care in the Greek says a distraction. It is how to have to you have a diverted Man, look, look, at, look with me in, in verse 4. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted. What word did he hear? What word did he hear? He heard that, that the people was afflicted, which means in the Hebrew they were in a bad way. And they were in great distress, which means it was a disgrace for what was going on. In Jerusalem, the walls was torn down and the gates were burned. And you and I both know the walls represent fortification. In the Old Testament time, when the city was not fortified, when it didn't have no walls, the enemy could just walk right in and take over. So the walls were a deterrent. You just couldn't walk in and take over. Isn't it amazing that in our lives when we look around, we, we like fortification? How, how the enemy comes in and just take our children and, and, and lead them in the wrong direction. And, and one of the things when you do is fortify them with the word of God. When we share the word of God with our children and we live it in front of them, then they have some, they have some fortification. They have something that they can fight the enemy with. They, they should not... I love Proverbs where it says, a simple-minded man believeth every word, but a prudent man look forward to his going. And so when we share Proverbs, when we share truth with our children and live the right kind of life in front of them, then we equip them to deal with what the enemy is trying to do. John tells us in John 10, 10, the thief come but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. 
And so when Nehemiah saw that the fortification and the walls were torn, torn down, he, he, and they were in great distress, they was in a bad way. And they was in a disgraceful situation. When he heard these words, the Bible says he wept and he mourned and he fasted for many days because he was distracted. He was distracted about what he heard, what he had heard. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? We see some things now. We walk around and we see things going on. We see young people sagging. We see them vaporing and smoking and all kind of things and just very promiscuous. And, and, and that ought to, as believers, that ought to disturb us. That ought to bother us to the point that we spend some time fasting and praying. This message is real personal to me. Brother John asked me, was I going to share some of my testimony what God is doing with me. At the beginning of this year, at the beginning of every year for a long time, my wife and I kind of slacked off, but at the beginning of every year for a long time, she and I would fast for 40 days. And we would just do juices. And we would go before the Lord and see what God wanted us to do for that year. And this year, I did 21 and she did 14. And when I came off of that fast, while I was praying, I was praying about certain things. Number one, Father, I want you to search me. I want you to purify Steve Earle. I, I, want you to look at, I want you to look at every crack and crevice in my life and see what, show me what displeases your heart about me. Well, I want to admit to you, one of the first things the Lord showed me was you've been selfish. And I said to myself, you know, you don't argue with God. When he says something about you, you just say, yes, I am. So I said, Lord, in what way have I been selfish? And you all, I was in front of my laptop dealing with my computer. And, and, and 1 Kings chapter 20 came up. And that was the story about Naboth and Ahab. Naboth had a field. Ahab wanted it. And he was obsessed with it to the point where he said, this would be good for me. This is this was this right close to me. He looked at all the things that would be beneficial to him. He went home. Y'all know the story. He went home and he powered and his wife Jezebel got involved. He was so uh, obsessed with it that it preoccupied his mind and his thinking. And the Lord said, Steve, you've been obsessed with some things. Why they might be good. The only thing you need to be obsessed with is your relationship with me. He said, yeah, you're obsessed with having a good marriage and you, you want your children saved. And like, yeah, that's a good thing to be obsessed about. But, but you don't need to have an obsession or selfish because you want it. I learned something. If it's not for the glory of God, it's no good. Whatever we do in words and deeds, we do all for the glory of God. Everything we need to do is for the glory of God. Not, not selfish ambition, what we would like to see, but what God wants in our lives. So he showed me where I've been obsessed. When I got up off my knees, I've been praying. I said, Lord, what ministry do I need to continue to, to give to? Do I need to give to this ministry? Do I need to slack off on this one, give to this one? And I said, well, Lord, one of the things I would love to do, I would love to give to a ministry that 100% of the proceeds go for what it needs to go for. Well, while I was on my knees, the Lord spoke to me and said, well, the only way that's going to happen is you start one. Wow. So from that, when I got up off my knees, the phone rang and it was my sister. And my sister have, and I have done some work, ministries, and giving to the poor and this kind of thing. But, but I knew God was calling it a different thing, different level here. 
And she said to me, she said, Steve, I have a friend that works in the dialysis unit. And, and before COVID, there was always a problem, but now it is really bad. People are coming in. They are falling out because they're mal malnourished. They don't, they don't have any clothes, the proper clothes. They just, and you talking about Nehemiah, that bird in my heart. And I said, man, Catherine, you're not going to believe this. But I just got up off my knees and the Lord told me I need to start a ministry that's going to deal with that. And what God says to me is, it was in the dialysis unit. That's where I want you to start. Wow. I wish I had time to give you the whole testimony, but, but the first thing I tried to do was set up a board, and the Lord canceled every single one of them. He says, I don't want your hand on this. I got people already prepared for what I want to do. I want you to pray. I'm going to give you some names, and the people that you contact, they're going to be ready. Isn't that awesome? I, I, I called one guy. He says, man, I don't have to pray about being on the board. The Lord already dealt with me about it. I'm in. I called my banker, who I had talked to about two weeks ago, to find out what I need to do and how I need to set everything up. And he says, I, when you left out of my office, he said, I saw God's hands all over this. I don't have to pray about being on the board. I'm in. All the way through, God had already made provisions for it. I couldn't do My banker, I got to share this with y'all. My banker, when I told him I wanted him to pray about being on the board, he had a box of Kleenex. He, throw me a, a, he took a few out and threw me the box, and I got some out. We just sat there and, and cried and worship before God. Wow. So we're starting a ministry, and we're going to be dealing with dialysis patients, starting off with 243. We're going to clothe them. This ministry got two phases. Number one, we're going to deal with clothes. Jesus, it's based on Matthew chapter 25. I was hungry, I was naked, and I was thirsty. That's where we started. And the second phase, I was a stranger and you took me in. Because the first phase, if people have a decision of what they want to give to it or not, every cent of the proceeds will stay there. Now, naturally, when you start putting roofs on and housing people, that's a different dimension. So all the donors will have an opportunity to give where they wanted to go. Amen? Awesome. And so, so I understand what fasting and praying and getting before God does. When you care, first of all, about where you are in your relationship with God, there should be a time to where you do just like I done. Lord, search me. Search me. Purify me. Whatever's wrong with me, show me. I like something David did. David did the same thing in Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24. You know what he said? Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see what wicked ways in me. Then lead me in the way everlasting. If you care about your spiritual well-being, every day you ought to ask the Lord to search you. Search you. Search you. Something else came out of this fast that was so awesome. It has revolutionized my prayer time. Every morning when I get up before the Lord and I get ready to pray, I say, Holy Father. Holy Father. You want a holy people. You have called us to be holy in every manner of my life, in our lives. And I go and I say, Lord, would you say about me what you said about Job? Would you say that he's perfect, upright, fear God, and turn from evil? What would you say about it? Would you say to me this morning, Steve Earle, are you loving your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it? What, what, 
Father, what would you say about me? Would you say that I'm lukewarm? Would you counsel me to say I'm spiritually blind? You need a salve that you can, that you can put on your eye that you can be spiritually alert? Would you say, I'm, Steve Earl, you're lukewarm? I'm going to spit you out of my mouth? What, what would you say about me? And then I get quiet. I go down through a whole list. What, what would you say about me? Would you say I'm slothful? Would you say I'm fervent in spirit? Not slothful in business, but fervent in spirit? Serving up. What would you say about me? And that takes about an hour. <laughs> because I want to know what he says about me. And then I get quiet. And whatever he puts his finger on, that's what I confess. Wow. So much for the testimony. But you got you to gotta care. And I like something Nehemiah did. And I want to speed this up because I don't want to be too long. But, but Nehemiah went through every area of prayer. Every one of them. The first one was adoration. He called the Lord all-inspiring God. Called him all-inspiring God. That, that's adoration. Isn't it amazing? When we get on our face before God, we, really, we need to realize who we're talking to. We, we're talking to the God that said, let there be, and it was. He made heaven and earth, and it is. The Bible says that the heaven declares the handiwork of God. Adoration is so good because you realize I'm talking to a God that has power to say, let there be, and it is. Wow, ain't that something? So I get confidence when I talk about God because <laughs> he's my God. He's my father. I'm his child, and I'm talking to him from a son's standpoint, and he hears me when I get clean before him. I want you to, the next one is confession. Mm. Oh, confession is to say the same thing God says about you and the same thing he says about your sin. Do you not know Nehemiah confessed his sins and his father's sins? And his grandmama and all the people, he confessed their sin. He said, we have done treacherously against you. We have not walked in your steps. We have went out the idols. I was studying the other day. I was studying the other day. And boy, the Lord said something to me. Do y'all not know? I believe it was Jeremiah. Kind of getting excited, so I can't remember like I need to. But, but Jeremiah, it was either Jeremiah or Isaiah. The Lord counseled the people. To find the old path and walk therein. The old path was holiness and righteousness, and God is first. That, that's what the old path, holy and righteous, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly for him. That was the old path. And then y'all know what the people said? We ain't gonna do that. <laughs> we just ain't gonna do it. We ain't gonna even ask for the old path. We ain't gonna do it. We like our idols. We like what we're doing. We, we like all this stuff, and we're gonna make it first. Before we make you first. That's what they said to God. Ain't that something? I believe one of the situations that we, I, I, my wife and I attended, attended a wedding. We was part of a wedding in Nashville, Tennessee. And the, and the bride daddy came up to me and was talking to me. And he said to me, he says, you know what, brother? I'd be so glad when everything get back to normal. And before I could catch myself, I said, brother, that's the problem now. We don't need to get back to normal. That must have displeased God. What we need to do is get back with God. We need to start doing what pleased the heart of God. 
Amen. And I, I like, like 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll forgive their sin. I'll hear, the, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal the land. Boy, I looked at that and I looked at that and I said, well, Lord, that's a that's a that's a big thing. He said, well, if you look at that land real close, he's talking about your territory. <laughs> God says, I'll hear the people around you. I'll take care of your children and your your mom and dad. I'll take care of people around you. Wow. So he confessed. He got clean before the Lord. You know why confession is so good? Psalm 66 and 18 says, if I regard iniquities in my heart. God would not hear me. That word here is a legal term, which says that if you got something in your heart against your brothers and sisters and you trying to go to God, he says, objection. Don't want to hear it. <laughs> you got to get clean. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, his arms are not sure that he cannot say, neither his ear does he cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you and your God and your sins have caused him to hide his face from you that he will not hear you. Same legal term. God says, I don't want. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it, what, think about this with me, y'all. Think about this. Would you go, would you go to the police office, uh, police office and say, I want to file a complaint about this person? And you got an outstanding warrant for your arrest. <laughs> they looking for you. You just wouldn't do that. I don't think nobody in their right mind unless you just done broke down and say, Lord, I'm tired of living the way I'm living. I need to come get some help. Unless you want to turn yourself in. And God loves that. He loves you to turn yourself in. <laughs> he won't have to go looking for you because he doesn't do that anyway. But he doesn't have to prod me. No, I realize that I'm wrong, so here I want to come get right. I know I have offended my brother. I know. Whew. You confess and get right before God. And then he says, my ears are attentive to the prayer of the righteous, and I'm open to their cry. And confession is so good, y'all. Because, see, listen, if you got something in your heart and you're trying to pray for me, I don't want you praying for me. It's just hard to do that. It's just hard to do that. I, I remember a story, and I hope I got time. I remember a story that there was, there was a guy, they were neighbors. They were neighbors. And, and one of them had a hog. And the hog would always go, just as soon as the guy got his garden fixed up, things pretty, corn growing, this hog would go in there and just demolish it. Tear the corn down, uproot everything. And, and so he saw the hog come out of there, but he didn't know who hog it went to. He went to his neighbor, and he said, neighbor, do, do you have a hog? He said, yeah. He says, listen, it gets out and it tears my garden up. Do you mind? Fixing your pen to where the hog won't get out? He said, oh, yeah, neighbor, I'll sure do it. I'll, I'll sure do it. Well, he did for a little while, and the hog got out again. You know, you know the thing about hogs. They root, they hog. When they want to get out, they just going to get out. You know, you, and as soon as the man go out and get back up again, here come that hog. Well, his blood pressure got up. He got his rifle. He went out there and shot the hog and buried him in the garden. Just, just dug a hole, buried him right there. They went to church together. And they took up the collection, and they walked around. To make a long story short, they walked around. And the pastor told, John, would you pray? I don't mean you, brother. John. John, would you pray? And he's sitting there. He bowed his head. Him and his friend was right there together. Both neighbors were right there together. He bowed his head and didn't say nothing. 
The pastor said, Brother John, you going to pray? He bowed his head again, didn't say a thing, didn't say a word. The pastor looked at him again, Brother John, please pray. He looked at him and said, Pastor, it's hard to pray when you got a dead pig in your garden. It's just, it's just hard to pray. Confession is so good. It, it, it just it relieves you. Amen. And then supplication. Praying for other people. And then number four, Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving, y'all. Because when you ask God for something and you know you, he hears you. I think it's 1 John 5 and 13. This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hear us. And if we know that he hear us, we know we have the petition that we desire of him. Wow. Wow. Number two thing, write this down. Number one, you got to care. When you care, you're distracted. And you're distracted to the point to where everything else that you wanted to do or thought you needed to be doing, it drowned it out. You, you, you had a passion to do this, you thought, but when you hear certain things, now you say, wait a minute, this is very disturbing to me. I've been distracted. What I thought I wanted to major in and what I thought I wanted to do, I don't want to do that no more. The Lord has burdened me with something else. He's burdened me to, 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 to minister, to go out and witness to people. I, I got a burden for the lost. When I see all this stuff's going on now, I got a burden. I got a passion for this. Guess what? God will give you that passion. The second thing, after you care, the second thing you got to do, you got to be willing to move out of your comfort zone. In chapter 2 of Nehemiah, Nehemiah stood before the king. He was a cup barrier. I like to say Nehemiah had a good job, especially if you like sipping wine. Yeah, yeah, he had a good job. I would like to look at him as being a, a present-day present day secret service man. Well, Pastor Earl, secret service man, that's a dangerous job. He, he takes a bullet for the, for the president. Well, I would declare to you that this was a good job because if somebody was trying to poison the king, if I was in Nehemiah's position, I would have my own wine cellar. Yeah. And when the wine was manufactured, what I would do, if there were some prisoners on death row, y'all listen to me good, I would get the wine and let them taste it if somebody was trying to kill the king. Well, he on death row anyway. <laughs> and I would watch him, and for a few days, if he didn't kick the bucket, I'd take that wine and I'd put it in my own personal, I have it on a lock and key. I know that's all right. Yeah, that's how y'all would do the same thing. Y'all wouldn't just taste that wine and fall out. Y'all wouldn't act like no guinea pig. Oh, no, no, you wouldn't. And so he had a good job. I got to study a, a wine cup barrier like Nehemiah. That was an important job. Do you not know that they had to serve the, the wine to the king and their fingers had to be in a certain place in the thumb? Yeah. So, so it was a good job. So he stood before the king, and the king would always do something. He would look at the countenance of his cupbearer and the baker. Yeah. And, and the Lord, when, when, the, when the king looked at him, he said, man, wait a minute. You have stood before me all these years, and you never looked like that. And Nehemiah said, 
Why shouldn't I? Because my people, not himself, I got a good job. Oh, I believe, I, believe, I believe the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2 to consider others better than ourselves. Amen. Look not to your own thing, but for the thing of others. So he took it off of him. He said, this is a burden to me. Something I like about this, it wasn't a passing thought. If you look in verse 1, you will see that word chaliv. That was December on the Jewish calendar. In chapter 2, you'll see the word Nisan. That's April. Four months. This thing that he had just heard, not even physically saw, but I can imagine he visualized it in his mind that the walls are torn down and the gates are burned. They're in bad way he, for four months. How many of y'all have had a burden for it lasts about two minutes, three minutes, two weeks? After a while, you forget all about it? Not the case with Nehemiah. Four months, what he heard, God was still burning his heart about it. And this is what Nehemiah did. He took a leave of absence. He prayed a lot of quick prayers. And he asked the king, can I take a leave and go build the walls back? Isn't that awesome? Wasn't a passing thing. See, I've learned that when God put a burden on your heart and it's something that he wants you to do, he will keep putting his finger on it. Because you just cannot push it out of your mind. Every time I think about the people in dialysis unit and the hungry people, I, I can't brush it off. Got to do something. Got to do something about it. So he, he moved out of his comfort zone. Now for a lot of us, Sunday morning, Wednesday, we got a belly full. We don't eat no more. I, I've actually heard people say, Sunday morning, Wednesday night is plenty for me. I get all the religion I need. Well, I'm going to just tell you something. If you don't have a quiet time with the Lord that you get up, every man of God that did great things got up before day and they spent time hearing from God. They sought the heart of God. They wanted to know what God wanted to do. This is where the Lord got me at right now in this ministry. He's telling me to do three things. Steve, I want you to pray. I want you to be lit quiet and listen. And I want you to obey. Every morning, be quiet, pray, listen, and then obey. That, I'm going to tell you, when you start fasting and praying and, and hungering for God, God says, I'll feel you. You're talking about revelation when you spend time with him. It's amazing. It's amazing. God has just revolutionized my life, my thinking. Oh, shoot, match. Done, done gave me a spirit of, of, of humility constantly. I bow before him, say, I ain't nothing. You're everything. You're, I'm your workmanship. You have a right to pour into me whatever you desire and whatever you want to do because I'm yours. He moved out of his comfort zone. He took a leave of absence. And he went and he observed that wall. There was a place he got to, he couldn't even go on his, on, his, on his beach. He had to get off of it. And he go check it out. And he came back and said, we can do this. With God's help, we can do this. We can do all things through Christ 
who strengthened me. Everything that God has ordained for you to do, you can do it. You can do it through him because actually what he does is he just called for you to obey. He does the real work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Pastor Aaron, I'm scared. Well, he's not giving you the spirit of fear, but love, peace, and a sound mind. Wow. To make this message a little shorter. Number three. Number three. Let the Lord deal with your enemy. Let him deal with your enemy. You ain't got time. To be discouraged about what people say. Because a lot of them are going to say, you can't do that. You're gonna, hear, you hear people say, and I've heard it, all oh, the last people that started that, it was a flop. A lot, well, they, they did that. I don't know why they did that. It ain't none of my business to worry about whether it was a flop or not. My, my, my focus is to stay on what God has told me to do. Watch what the Lord told me. Y'all remember when the Lord Jesus was telling all the disciples about how they were going to die? And our friend Peter, I don't know if Peter y'all, Peter, y'all friend or not, but he's mine. Jumping out of the boat and all kind of stuff. What? <laughs> you ain't going to die, Jesus. You know, y'all know Peter. Y'all done looked at Peter enough. I think some of us got a little Peter in us. He, <laughs> he said to Jesus, how John going to die? What's going to happen to John? And you know, just put this real simple. Jesus said, what is it to you if he tarry till I come back? You stay focused on what I told you to do. I don't, I'm not going to criticize nobody else about what they started and done. No, I got to stay focused on what God told me to do. I don't know what they started by the Holy Spirit. I don't even know what they were the bird. I don't even know why they even started it, but that's not in my business. My business is to stay focused on what he told me to do. Listen, when you start walking in the way God wants you to do, there will be some Sanballats and Tobias. Y y yes, they will. And done diddly squat, and soon as you started doing something, well, you, we ain't never done that way before. Well, that may be just the problem. That, that might, we ain't never worshiped like that before. That might be just the problem. Jesus told him, he said, y'all just kill the spirit of God with your traditions. I heard something one time really blessed my soul. This guy was a businessman. He had been, been, they'd been inviting him to come to church. He come to the church. and I think he was a doctor, just, just up at the guy and, and uh, just, he always had a desire to just be loose, you know. So he went to this church, and boy, these folk were running around and praising God, just acting berserk. He said, I ain't never heard nobody go crazy about somebody like that. I want to know that God. <laughs> ain't that something? One guy got up and done a Pentecostal run around the church. This my land. What kind of people is this? <laughs> Tore down some barriers. He, he, he said, I'm glad to be in a place where they ain't so dignified. They don't have this solemn assembly. He said, I just like the way people responding to the Lord. They, they're worshiping him. They hope. Wow, ain't that something? But we, we got some Sanballats and Tobias around. You know, yeah. When, when, you, when you preach over 15 minutes, they go to looking at their watches. <laughs> and they'll go to a ball game and say, four hours. Go, man, go. Get all up in it. Just let Alabama and, and somebody play, your favorite team play. Boy, you can't even. Y'all remember this commercial with a guy, this man scored, he was watching the game, and this guy got so excited he almost had a heart attack. Kind of like David did when the Order of the Covenant came back in Jerusalem. He danced so hard to his, his wife, Michael, said, I'm ashamed of you. 
Well, if you just get ashamed of me about worshiping God and being thankful to God for getting this, this Art of the Covenant back in Jerusalem, you just going to have to watch my thighs because I'm finna throw down up in him. Ain't that something? I'm finna worship and praise God for what he's done. So, so, so you let him deal with your enemy. Do you not know they would be criticizing you? They criticized Nehemiah. You know what they said in chapter 4? These old feeble Jews going to build a wall in one day. Oh, if a fox walked on that wall, it's going to be tore down. Now, we know a fox is like, that's just criticizing. No positive attitude. No, oh, y'all can't do that. Y'all can't. No, I sure can't, but God can. I, I sure can't. Because if I had to depend on my own strength to get something done, it ain't happening. God does it. God does it. All he wants is an available person that says, I'll go. Send me. Well, number four, and I'm about done. I hope I ain't been too long. If, if, if I have, please take it up with the Lord because I want to get through what he told me to do. Amen. You got to get a hunger for the word of God. John chapter 8, 31 and 32, you know what he says? He told the Jews that believe, if you will continue in my word, you will be my disciple indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Wow. If somebody trying to hold you back, if you get a hold to the word of God, which is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your pathway, the word of God is a strong tower. The righteous run, and they are safe. If you're dealing with some enemy, you flip your Bible to Psalm 37, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thy envious of the work of iniquity. For the grass of the field, they're what soon will the You trust in the Lord and do good. Oh, turn your Bible over there in 34. The psalmist David said, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continue to be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt this thing together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me. Just get a hunger for the word of God. Saturate your mind with the word of God. It, the, the psalmist says in one, Psalms 119, verse 9, 10, 11, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandment. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The word of God. Or if you have to go to a funeral and they've been born again, he said, bless the day that die in Christ. For they rest from that labor. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. You got to get a hunger for the word of God. In chapter 8, them people ask for the word of God. Give us the word of God. Give us the word of God. They didn't even have a Bible. We got them now in our car and everything, and we won't read them. It's amazing. I passed the church one time, and you know what I said? I said, y'all, we know what we need to do. We need to collect all the Bibles and throw them away. Oh, what are we going to do that for, Pastor? I said, well, you, you don't read them no way. <laughs> you just want to look holy. Some people ride around in their, in their windows and all. They, done, they ain't never had the pages. The sun done made the pages brittle. You open it up and it just fall all to pieces. You got to get a hunger for the word of God. The word of God will push you. When you have something going on, just like right now, just like right now, I have to turn to Isaiah 41 and look at verse 10. Fear not, I 
line with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Whoo. You get a hold of the word of God, y'all, and you hear what Paul says. He says, you know what? I'm caught between the two. I don't know whether to stay down here and be with you all or go home and be with the Lord. I like something my friend said. I'm not going to live in fear, but I ain't going to be licking no dough knobs either. <laughs> Amen. I'm not going to live my life in fear, but I ain't going to be licking no dough knobs. See, see, when you get a hunger to, of the word of God, do you not know? That we are called to obey the government as long as it does not contradict what God says? Wow. What a revelation. See, I think we need to be assembling ourselves, but I think we need to take precautions. Anytime they close, they, look, they didn't close the liquor store down. That's, no, they didn't. Wide open. But they want to shut the church down. I wonder why. They can go get their liquor, but they don't want us to come here and stir one up to good work. They don't want to come in here and for us to hear the word of God, which will encourage us. You got to get a hunger for the word of God. When you got a hunger for the word of God, he speaks to you. When you got a situation, that's, that's one of the way God speaks to you. He speaks to you through his word. I had a lady say, Lord, don't talk to me like that. I said, well, you might want to look at your Bible. <laughs> you might want to study God's word. Yeah, because he'll bring back to you what you put up in there. It's hard to get water out of empty fountain, isn't it? Yeah, if ain't nothing in there, it's hard to get something out. I believe a lot of us, all we know is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's a good one to know. That's a good one. That's a good one to know. But them same people that read that don't believe a hell. <laughs> and if you look in there, he says, you will not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, the last scripture I want to talk about is John 1. He says, I came to my own in 12. Came to my own, and my own received me not. But to many of them that received me, to them I gave power to become sons of God. If you're here today and you've not been born again, you've not had a new birth, Jesus said, if you will receive me, I will give you the power or the authority to become sons of God. Pastor, will you explain to us what it means to receive him. In the Greek, that, that word is labana. And it means to take without any object or any objection. See, I, I, I'm, I'm reminded that when you call on the name of the Lord, he said, you shall be saved. That's Romans 10 and 13. That's a divine call for change. That's not a call to say, come bless what I'm doing. Come help me. Come. What we do is we seek. The hands of God, rather than the face of God. The hands of God is what God can give you. The face of God is what God requires. And we thank you, Father, that you have given us a heart to be grateful and thankful for what all you've done and what you purpose to do. And we just pray that you open our hearts and our minds to 
and give us wisdom as we uh, address these questions. We thank you so much for what you've done. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. Amen. 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 Thank you, Mr. Steve. Welcome to our second kickoff of the postscript. I have Brother Steve Earl with me, and if y'all remember, he spoke this Sunday in church, so just because of COVID, we couldn't get in here and do it together, so we decided to link up over FaceTime, and that didn't work because we both had kind of bad service, so he suggested, hey, let's do a Zoom call, so we're on a Zoom call right now with Mr. Steve. Say hey, Mr. Steve. <laughs> hey, how you all doing? And so we got Mr. Steve with us today, and so we're, we're excited about that. We're going to start off with some questions that we have for him. And uh, we had a couple coming in, not too many, but um, anyway, we'll get started off with those this evening and try to have those once again posted on Facebook and also posted on probably YouTube and then also um, thirdly with our podcast. I had not played tennis in about probably seven, eight months, something like that. And I went out the other day with um, our little brother Ty, and he scored me all up and down the tennis court. And we played. No, he, did. I, he did. He did. We played for three hours. One of your members said that uh, you told him I could probably beat you. I said, hey, no way. <laughs> hey, well, that's the, per that's the perfect transition, Mr. Steve, because the first question that we have here is, I heard that you can beat Drake in tennis. Is that true? <laughs> no, that's not true. Drake is probably a full five, a five, I'm a three, five, and I've played in a while, so he can probably just fake. So this, the second question is, uh, I will read it exactly how it is, and then, then I think I know what they're asking, but I'll just read it exactly how it is, and then I'll, I'll try to explain a little bit. But it goes like this. It says, you talked about forgiveness in your sermon. Um, I do forgive others, but it usually takes a day or two or three, um, depending on what the offense was, to get over. Do you think that that is okay, or is there a time restraint on forgiveness? And so it seems like to me, Mr. Steve, that maybe they're feeling a little bit guilty um, on not forgiving right away. And I think what they're asking is, um, should I be forgiven, you know, right after the fight? Should I be forgiven the second after, the hour after, or is it okay that it takes me, you know, a day to get over it or two days to get over it. I think that's what they're getting at. Well, I think what we really look at is how fast do we want to be forgiven? If we are operating in unforgiveness and we ask God to forgive us in our daily prayers, he says no. Wow. So I think that what happens a lot of times is we feel like we have a right to be angry, and that's not true. Yeah. That's just not good. The sooner we get... The sooner we get uh, cleansed from our iniquities, the better we feel. We realize uh, if we went before the Lord and asked the Lord to forgive us, but we want him to wait a day or two, and we think it's all right to, for him to uh, say, well, okay, I'm going to forgive you next week or tomorrow, or, or you want to be forgiven instantly. Right. I think the, I think the same thing that we, uh, we want the Lord to do for us, we should do for others. That's good. All right. The next question goes, um, number, the number three, it says this, Mr. Steve. It says, um, in your sermon, you spoke to, to prayer and, um, 
I think it's a personal question kind of for you, but it says, what is the most miraculous prayer that you've ever had answered? And so I think maybe they're asking, you know, uh, what would be the biggest miracle in your prayer life that you've ever seen answered? Oh, boy. It's been a lot of them. Um, I'll tell you one. It just happened recently. Okay. Uh, it happened during the fast. Uh, okay. I had called a, a friend of mine. hadn't talked to him in a while, so I just called him to check on him, see how he was doing, and, uh, and how his family was doing. I actually counseled him and uh, I counseled both of his daughters before they got married, and we just have a good relationship, but had not talked to him in a long time. And so uh, I called him to check on him. He told me he was doing good. And uh, actually, while I was on the fast, his wife called me and said, Brother Steve, um, we are taking Joel to the hospital, and he has asked for you to pray for him. You know, he couldn't hardly breathe. Didn't look like he was going to make it. And, and so I did immediately. He stayed in the hospital one night. The next day, he was at home. Wow. James says, James says, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the help of the church and let them anoint him with oil and pray for them. Well, I wasn't close to anointing him, but I prayed for him. And uh, and his wife called me back and said, he's at home. He's ready to go. The doctor said that if uh, if she would have tried to bring him in the vehicle, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't have made it. And so... Uh, uh, that that just happened probably now about three or three or four weeks ago during when we were on the fast. So that was uh, that was one of the most uh, powerful latest answer to prayer that uh, that I've had. And I know for me personally, Mr. Steve, is that a lot of times God will do answer a prayer for me or do a miracle in my life, and it's easy. And this is me personally. It's easy for me to forget, and it's easy for me to downplay that of what they do, you know, what God has done in my life. And three months later, I won't even remember. And God is saying, hey, I parted the Red Sea for you. I've sent seven plagues over Egypt for you. I killed the firstborn son. I've sent you manna. How many other things do you want me to do for you, Drake, to show you, hey, I'm in heaven. I'm answering your prayers. Stop forgetting all these things. And so I know that's something that God's been convicting me about. Uh, in my in my life, and, and to some point, I, I did a sermon series that was called the Israelites, and instead of the Israelites, but it was all based off of that. That many times we forget the miraculous things that God has done, that He's answered our prayers and pulled us through, and and we see very 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 nearsighted. I guess that kind of goes back to that first question. I want to get, I want to be uh, not ever be out of fellowship with God. You know? Right. And so uh, if we clean before him when we ask, I think it's First John 5 and 13, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to him, he hears us. Right. And if we know that he hears us, we know we have the petition that we desire him. So, uh, and then like I was talking about uh, Sunday, Psalm 66 and 18 said, if I regard iniquities in my heart, God will not hear me. Right. That word regard also means cherish. And cherish says, well, I got a right to be angry, so I'll wait to the martyr for you. Right. Well, one, if there's an emergency today that you need to petition the throne of grace, and you're going to wait till tomorrow to pray for him. So yeah. I just think it's so good to always stay in the right fellowship with God. That's right. Be clean before him and, uh, and be grateful and thankful. Last question, Mr. Steve. Um, during the sermon, you mentioned a couple of things about your ministry. You mentioned a little bit about what kind of God is laying on your heart right now. Um, some things that God has been, been um, 
illuminating in your life. And so you talked a little bit about kind of the, the nonprofit, how we're trying to 100% of the proceeds go into the lost, go into the cause, go into feed the hungry, as you said. And so um, a couple of people have mentioned this to me, and, and, and I wrote it down, and basically asking, is there a way, how can we give to your cause? How can we get involved? Okay. Um, the, the name of the ministry is going to be uh, We Supply Your Ministry. Bye.